You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. In your communities in Chicago. On WCPT 820. Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope that you are healthy and safe wherever you are today. Uh, it's that sort of weird week between Christmas and New Year's, and uh, I'm I'm wrapping up a lot of uh, end of the year work in my office. Uh, actually, one of the uh, memos that I'm creating for my uh, um, my department is about labor. So I have that top of mind as uh, we were talking about it yesterday, and uh, you know all the major gains by the labor movement this year are significant, whether it was uh, UAW and uh, getting a significant increase in pay and safety mechanisms, as well as, uh, you know, expanding plants, uh, expanding co- coverage for union members. Uh, UPS, uh, UA, the UPS had, a, they did not go on strike. They had sort of a, a different um, uh, tactic in order to show how how serious they were about striking. They also made tremendous gains, as you know, WGA, the Writers Guild of America, and the Screen Actors Guild, and the American Federation of TV and Radio Artists uh, had some really important negotiations. SAG-AFTRA, maybe, uh, you know, a lot of us felt like perhaps there were certain things with the artificial intelligence that we would have liked to have seen stronger protections, Uh, but we really made a huge inroads when it comes to streaming uh, and how performers are paid. And there are a lot of strikes uh, that look like they might be looming for 2024. Uh, In particular, you know, the U.S. Postal Service has uh, negotiations and a contract that they are trying to hammer out. You know, there's obviously a big push for automation and consolidation with the U.S. Postal Service. And, And what I didn't realize is the way in which we reimburse our rural postal workers, uh, they are not hourly they are salaried, and their salary is determined often by how long their routes are, which can make it uh, difficult for them to have equal pay uh, depending on where they live. So is it a, the Anheuser-Busch has a contract that's up. Boeing has a contract expiring. The uh, Federation, the, uh, the unions that represent the uh, the uh, flight attendants are also uh, look. You know that they have not. The flight attendants have not seen a pay increase since. Before the pandemic, uh, which is absolutely insane. So I'm curious to see how um, how much momentum and how much the energy coming out of 2023 and so many of the gains, how, how much of an impact that will have. Starbucks had uh, they closed Starbucks closed 23 locations because they said it wasn't they said it wasn't because people were trying to unionize. They said it was for safety reasons. But uh, federal courts determined that they did do it in retaliation for efforts to unionize. And we've talked to IBEW here in Chicago about organizing the uh, the Colectivo coffee workers, and they now have unions in Chicago, Madison, and Milwaukee. That represents over 600 employees, and they also finally have a contract. So that's one of the things we'll be looking at uh, in 2024 in regards to labor, and really does make a difference to vote electeds into office that are there to fight for workers. And I'm telling you right now, I... I, I if you look at the states across the country where workers are paid the least, they are all in red states. 
And I, I don't know how people in Iowa, Missouri, Mississippi, Louisiana, you know, look at the federal government as though that it's their fault. And, and I guess, it, it, look, not everybody marinates in this, thinks about uh, how our local electeds, how our uh, how our policies involving work are really at the state and city level, in particular at the state level. I've talked about this many times when Governor Rauner was in office. He and the big money behind him were there entirely. I would say entirely to bust unions. That was their they had a, they had a turnaround agenda, and nothing was going to get done unless the legislature agreed to diminish workers' rights. They wanted to diminish uh, bargaining rights, workmen's comp, everything. They wanted to make this a right to work state. And I am so proud to be a union member. I'm proud of the work that we have done in 2023. And I'm looking forward to standing with my brothers and sisters in 2024. Uh, by the way, this news story about Michigan, I know at the top of the hour we heard that uh, Michigan Supreme Court said they would not hear the lower court's uh, case in regards to whether or not Trump can be on the ballot. And I think in the news they said it's a, in contrast to Colorado. The element to that is in Colorado's constitution, they have a mechanism that is triggered when a candidate commits a crime the way Donald Trump did. So it, that's not in Michigan's constitution. I know there are other states that are looking at that, but, it, you know, if we're going to, for all the Supreme Court originalists who say, you know, it doesn't strictly say that these are the, the, the qualifications for being eliminated from the ballot. Well, in Colorado, apparently they do. So we'll see how that turns out. I have, I'm torn over whether or not, uh, I mean, if it's their law and they want to enforce it, and, I, and we, should we be that kind of namby-pamby about something? Oh, I don't know if it helps or hurts, but he broke the law. And we've seen people get convicted of, of, of storming the Capitol, of creating chaos, of attacking police officers, of destroying property in an effort to, to stop the count and validate the election. And it's so surreal. I mean, this is maybe because for four years we kept talking to people about how, well, there's nothing we can do. He's president. Well, now he's not president. And we should be enforcing the law and prosecuting him everywhere that he broke the law. And if there's evidence. Here's uh, Lee in Chicago. Hey, hey, Leo, what's on your Hi. mind, my friend? Hey. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I appreciate your program. We got to do something about the borders. I am not anti-immigration, but... They cannot keep sending people up here on buses or by airplanes if we don't have the housing for it. So we have to do something about immigration. And I don't think Brandon Johnson knows what he's doing. I'm very disappointed in him. I am really I'm so frustrated because it doesn't. And this started under Lori Lightfoot's uh, management as far as having no transparency. And it seems no oversight on how money was being spent. There was an NBC investigative report that at one location over the course of one month, they spent seven over seven million dollars in just one location. Can you imagine? And who's paying for and who's paying for this? Yeah. We are. Yeah, we are. I'm not, I'm not anti-immigration, but it's not fair to the people, though, either. We can't have them in tents. Right. It's not fair to them. Well, it's not don't. fair to us. So we got they're, they're not intense. Brandon Johnson. Right. We got to vote him out. We need a recall election for a mayor. He has no There's, idea what he's doing. There is no there is no recall election in Chicago. There's no mechanism. We, we need I, we need to start it. We need to do it. We we're governed by the people. It's not, you know, we the government It's we the people. 
It is a huge problem. I don't believe we, we do need to have a recall vote. I think that, look, Governor Abbott wants to, is, is succeeding in exactly this. You and I having this conversation, and it's unfortunate, and it is dangerous for the people coming here. It is uh, not sustainable, and I hope that they can find a solution. Thank you so much for calling, Leo. I've got to take a break because we're going to check in with our friend, our friend Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation Area. Have a good night, Leo. More up to this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Oh, I'm, <laughs> it was a. <laughs> I was talking to nobody right there. Hey, everybody! Uh, hey, it was a big win for Wisconsin last week, and we're not talking about the Packers or the Bucks or the Brewers. Uh, Dan Schaefer from the Recombination Area joins us. Hey, Dan, uh, you still celebrating? Are you still drinking champagne? <laughs> Uh, it's been it's been a good few days in Wisconsin. I'll tell you that it's been a good few days. Did you expect uh, very exciting you... news about uh, our uh, the very important redistricting case, which I think we've talked about a few times uh, on the air on this show? Yeah, a couple, couple, two, three times now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. come up once or twice. It's, it yeah. might be a little bit of a big deal, but yeah, huge yeah. news to drop Friday afternoon. Uh, with the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruling that the uh, that our ridiculously gerrymandered maps are indeed uh, unconstitutional, uh, huge huge news. It's you know there's going to be a lot uh, to discuss uh, of, as we kind of figure out what comes next. Uh, but this was you know this was the ruling that a lot of us have been waiting for uh, ever since Janet Protasiewicz was elected to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Ever since that court uh, was flipped to a majority. Um, it's a four-three liberal majority, and uh, this is this is a huge one. This has the potential uh, to really reset politics in the state of Wisconsin in a way that we have not seen in a very long time. And you know, do you think that they they wanted to wait once they got past the uh, the threats uh, from Speaker DeVos of impeaching Protasiewicz, or this was the timing that they had already kind of charted out prior to any sort of shenanigans? Yeah, I think this was more or less the timing that, that they were planning on, you know, all impeachment threats aside. You know, so we we uh, a couple of weeks ago on December 1st, uh, we passed that threshold where, you know, if they if Republicans and, and Speaker Robin Voss were, were going to uh, impeach Janet Protasiewicz, that once it passed November 1st, it would mean that Tony Evers uh, would be able to appoint a replacement and that replacement would be able to serve until 2031, I believe. Uh, so once we got past that, it was you know, like, okay, the impeachment threat would be over. Uh, and then, uh, the, it, you know, and Voss even confirmed as such in a number of interviews, uh, kind of end of year interviews with uh, various state media conducted last week and confirming what, you know, what, what the, those of you who read the Recombobulation area and listen to be on the airwaves do would already know that we passed that very important date. So, um, so yeah, I think everything is right now proceeding to plan. Uh, the only thing left is a, is a potential U.S. Supreme Court challenge. And uh, as we've seen in the last few years, the U.S. Supreme Court can uh, could be a little unpredictable, to say the least. Yeah, to say the least. This is huge, though, because, you know, we've talked about uh, so much of what is going on in Wisconsin is completely lopsided when it comes to child care, women's reproductive rights. When it comes to, I mean, just the basics of making sure that the University of, of Wisconsin has the kind of funding that it needs to attract the brightest and the strongest when it comes to, you know, intellectual development and, and technology, bringing students in, bringing professors in, bringing 
again, it's a, it's a world-class institution, uh, but the folks in uh, the Republicans in Madison don't want to support what is it again? Uh, equality. They don't want there to be diversity. They don't want inclusion. That's very annoying. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it, it's it is just. Well, I think yeah. that it's yeah. That's the latest example. I think uh, of you know the how ridiculously far off the deep end uh, that Republicans in Wisconsin have become. You know, for, but I think it's it's there's so many examples of this, Patty, and and so many examples of over the years that. Wisconsin Republicans on issue after issue after issue, things that pull with with majority support across the state that people get activated on, people make their voices heard on. And so often those those, you know, those voices go to deaf ears. And I think, you know, for so long in the state of Wisconsin, since 2011, since Republicans installed uh, perhaps the most extreme state legislative gerrymander anywhere in the country, you know, this 50-50 state that is the the state of Wisconsin, you know, so many of our statewide elections are decided by decimal points, but in the state legislature, Republicans have had majority control and and in some cases close to supermajority control uh, and it has just absolutely put a stranglehold, you know, on state politics for so long, even though, you know, Democrats won back the governor's office uh, when Tony Evers beat Scott Walker in 2018. Uh, and, and Democrats were able to pick up uh, a seat or two, you know, in the 2018 and 2020 uh, elections in the state legislature. But then the Republicans just came right back in 2021 and jammed through a, uh, a, 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 a you know, even more egregious gerrymander. Than what was, uh, you know, than what we had for the decade prior. So I think it it's just on issue after issue, you know, whether it's you know gun violence prevention or abortion rights or marijuana legalization or Medicaid expansion. Wisconsin is just in so many ways on an island in the Midwest. Uh, you know, you look at the states around us and what's happening in Michigan, what's happening in Minnesota, what's happening in Illinois. And I think in Wisconsin, we've just, you know, Wisconsin is similar to the, a lot of these states, maybe a little bit to the right of them politically uh, in certain ways, but certainly not far off. And so we're seeing such a so, such a drastic change uh, from our neighbors. And as Wisconsin is is just kind of you know, stuck with the spinning its wheels uh, with, with this Republican state legislature and the constant, um, you know, the, the constant push and pull of divided government and the inability to make that change, the inability to hold the state legislature accountable. And the state legislature is not popular in Wisconsin. And Robin Voss, the leader of the state legislature, is incredibly unpopular uh, in Wisconsin. And it's just been so difficult for so long to make any meaningful change. And I think so much of it goes back to the gerrymander and the the inability for Wisconsinites to you know to bring that accountability at the ballot box the way we should be able to, uh, and so you know we'll have to wait and see what the Supreme Court says on this. But you know I think uh, all the all the signs right now are pointing towards Wisconsin having new maps for the twenty twenty four election. I you know I don't think many fo- many people realize, including I, I was so stunned when I found out that you had 50 of 99 assembly districts that weren't even contiguous, meaning they're, like, they're just a patchwork of one person having they're not even connected. How is that? Anyway, it seems that, well, that was the, that was the challenge. And, and, you know, when I during that spring election, when I wrote a I wrote a long feature story on gerrymandering at the at the uh, at the recombobulation area. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Jeff Mandel from Law Forward, he's kind of the lead lawyer uh, in this case that that, uh, eventually challenged the maps. When I talked to him, 
he said there are a number of ways that, that we could bring a challenge to these maps. He was talking about, you know, contiguity, talking about past rulings that were perhaps unconstitutional, talking about just the fact that the, the language in the state constitution that promotes fairness and equality and democracy and things like that and, and how often this runs against it. So, uh, you know, what there are many different ways uh, that I think these maps could have been challenged. The, the contiguity argument is, an, is a really interesting one because, yeah, it, you know, there's some, some very egregious examples, particularly in Madison area, particularly Dane County. Uh, a lot of those representatives, there's just these kind of islands uh, out there, and, and they are just so clearly not contiguous. Even one of the conservatives uh, on the court, who was you know in the minority on this ruling, said, "Yeah, the, the challenge is probably right." Um, I think that was the exact phrasing he used. The challenge is probably right, but he he voted against it, uh, you know, on some procedural terms, as uh, he often does. That's just a tagador antenna. He, he but before this, he had been uh, the swing vote on the court. Now he's you know just kind of in the uh, conservative minority, and so uh, you know as uh, you know the the different ways that these maps could have been struck down. The contiguity argument. Uh, is is you know just uh, it's such an interesting one and it's so clear and I think that's why the decision came as quickly as it did. The decision was so clear that that, that the legislative di- districts just so clearly violate that argument. And like you said, I think fifty of the ninety nine assembly districts uh, had had issues with that. So it's just a, a very very clear uh, need for change there. And of course, uh, Republicans are are screaming because it's not fair. It's now a liberal court. Uh, it, unfortunately, this is where we are now, right? This is what we always talk about: is like, well, when they get in control, it's going to be retaliation. But it, it, it's, so now it's hard to say. Look, this is the, they're reading the law. You're just used to people. It's it's complicated, isn't it? Because the Republicans, when they got it their way, it was just. But when it's not, it's it's unfair. Yeah, I think it is, you know, there's so many people who are, saying, who are worried about the politicization of the court as if this was not already the case yeah. for years and years and years, right? right? right. The, uh, conservatives coming to this sudden realization that politics have made their way into the courts, well, they were in so many ways uh, responsible for that, you know, nationwide and within Wisconsin, right. and I think... You know, Michael Gableman, a former state Supreme Court justice who uh, in recent years became famous with his challenge uh, to the 2020 election, saying that, uh, you know, we should, uh, you know, uh, say that they overturned the results and he found all this fraud. He was one of the people who was on the court. Uh, He was elected in 2008. I think, you know, people, so many people on the left and people, independents will go back to that election as a time in Wisconsin when, when things, you know, really shifted in the, the way the courts have been, um, you know, kind of made poli- made more political uh, in this process. And I think it's so, it's so interesting and ridiculous, really, to see so many people on the right in Wisconsin make this argument that, like, oh, the courts should be nonpartisan. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. well, you shouldn't have <laughs> made brought so much partisanship to the courts over the past, uh, you know, last couple decades. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, here, here we are, you know, the, the, you know, the, the consequences of their own actions catching up to them in a big way. Well, look, in the, the United States Supreme Court said in their Roe v. Wade and Dobbs cases that this should be decided by the states, right, with, with that issue. So now we see cases, it'll be Colorado's case with the keeping Trump off the ballot, possibly. And, uh, and this is going to the Supreme Court as well, I'm guessing, correct? 
Yeah, that's what, uh, you know, that was the response from conservatives on this, that they want to take this to the Supreme Court. And, um, you know, I think uh, in so many ways, uh, what, you know, what, what Jeff Mandel, the guy from Law Forward, I talked to the attorney from Law Forward, uh, who brought this case, was, was saying that, you know, this was uh, a case that they challenged specifically to the state constitution. And if the, if the Supreme Court wants to get involved in a challenge to the state constitution, you know, states' rights, all those different arguments that we hear from conservatives all the time, uh, you know, would that break from precedent? Would that break from, you know, the different, uh, you know, the different ways that the, the, the you know, the court, the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, has handled itself over the years? So it's going to be interesting to watch. I think, you know, a lot of, uh, there's going to be, uh, some pretty strict timelines over the next couple months. To see, you know, what types of maps are brought forward, uh, what, you know, there's going to be kind of somebody uh, appointed to oversee uh, the process. And so that will will kind of continue to move on, uh, you know, regardless of, of how the U.S. Supreme Court eventually rules. Uh, you know, they, they could decide not to take the case. That's a possibility, too. But they could also uh, d- decide to, to rule against some things. So, so you, it's really hard to say. Things are very much up in the air right now. Right. So it's hard for the, you know, strategizing as far as because this is supposed to take effect next year. It's supposed to be implemented as soon as possible. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And I think, uh, you know, that that was a real focus uh, from those bringing this case forward. And they wanted to have, you know, they said these these maps have been unconstitutional for a long time in a variety of ways. You know, even though this contiguity argument got ruled on by the U.S. by the state Supreme Court, there are a number of other avenues uh, that, you know, these these things are being challenged. But, you know, we have uh, an election less than a year away in Wisconsin, right? So all 99 members of the Wisconsin State Assembly uh, will be on the ballot. Half of the Wisconsin State Senate uh, will be on the ballot as well. So that's another 115 uh, 115 seats that, you know, you have to find candidates for. You have to, uh, you know, get those nominations papers, nomination papers signed. You have to go through all the, uh, all the different, you know, hoops to jump through to, to get through, to get on the ballot and, and get things ready for, you know, for the primaries, for the election, for all of that. And so it's going to be a real challenge, uh, you know, to get that timing right. But I think, it's it's just so important to Wisconsin's democracy uh, that this that this happens the way, uh, you know, and, and was able to, you know, kind of go forward uh, under new maps. Oh, it's, a, it's a wild stuff. And I, I, before we go, I know that. Well, first of all, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas uh, and uh, did see your post on uh, Christmas morning about or I think late Christmas Eve about uh, dad's assembling. <laughs> <Toys. laughs> That's right. Uh, I, it's funny. Santa uh, put my bike together when I was five. I had a pink huffy, pink thunder. That was. Uh, I, I remember thinking. Oh my! Realizing later, he stayed up all night to put this together, didn't he? I don't mean Santa. I mean my dad. Sorry, Santa. <laughs> those, those later realizations, you know, I'll be sharing those with uh, with my daughters as well someday. <laughs> yeah, cool. But I know you also sat down before we go. You sat down with the with the mayor of Milwaukee. Tell us a little bit about that conversation and where folks can find the interview. Yeah, I did a uh, end of year interview with with both the mayor of Milwaukee and and Milwaukee County Executive. So, Mayor of Milwaukee Cavalier Johnson, Milwaukee County Executive David Crowley. I did an extended sit down. Uh, interview with with the two of them, which I think is that you know they're they're both uh, in their first term, uh, and both will be seeking a second term uh, in the spring election next spring. And this is this just been a huge year 
uh, for Milwaukee in so many ways. You know, they, they signed a big deal to, to fund local governments and, 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 you know, help kind of turn the dial in Milwaukee from constantly figuring out how to make cuts and their different things to make investments in things. And it's just the first time in a generation that that's, that's been able to happen. And I think a lot of credit goes to, to their leadership. So I really, you know, we dug into the details reflected on, you know, some of those negotiations, some of the, how they were able to, to get this uh, across the finish line um, and, and talked about, you know, the year ahead in Milwaukee too, because we, we have a, a big year ahead, you know, obviously an election year, both of them will be running for reelection. We're hosting the RNC in Milwaukee oh, and God. with, Donald Trump likely to be the one uh, giving that nomination speech in Milwaukee. We talked about, you know, what that might mean because Trump has lied about the, you know, the, the election 2020 election results specific to Milwaukee so many times uh, since uh, since that took place. So I, we really got into the, the details there, you know, talked about some other big issues too, immigration, talked about transportation. Uh, you know, there's a, there was a lot to get to. So I was really appreciative uh, of their time and their insights and, and we had a great conversation uh so i would encourage you to uh to check that out you know i know you've got a, a new mayor johnson in, in chicago as well so we've got a, a mayor johnson here in milwaukee that's uh, doing some pretty interesting things so outstanding check that one out. excellent everyone follow dan schaefer on twitter and, sub- and subscribe to the recombobulation area doing such great work covering the stories in wisconsin because it makes such a massive difference in 2024 to be able to you know do what we can to get democrats elected across the state thank you so much dan have a great evening and a, and a happy new year i'll talk to you in uh thank you patty happy holidays happy new year hope yeah. you're doing well i'll talk to you in a week my friend i hope you are too be well bye bye dan well. bye. coming up next we're gonna talk to our friends from banging gavel they have a, a great event coming up and we're gonna have a musician in the studio becky o'connor is gonna join us uh and the folks from banging gavel tell us about their new year's eve celebration after this on wcpt 820 heartland signal you're listening to driving it home with patty Vasquez on wcpt 820 we are so excited to share some uh, wonderful details uh, for an, uh, an event coming up on New Year's Eve. Becky yeah. O'Connor from Banging Gavel Brewery joins us in the studio. How are you doing today? I'm good. I mean, I just got back in town. Where were you? I was in Indianapolis with my family, my husband's family, Kyle O'Connor, my husband. He He's from Indianapolis originally uh-huh. and moved here from Chicago. We met, you know, 12 years ago and we were there for family and my kids are actually just in the other room. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, they're hanging out. They can come They're going to watch. How old are they? Uh, six and three. They can come in studio in the next segment. Oh, that'd be unless cool. you don't be drinking in front of them. Oh, they're, I mean they they're around <laughs> the brewery all the all the time. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. Where did you, where did you grow up? I grew up in the South Side, Orland Park. Okay, so just a town over from Tinley, where we're opening. I used or just to open. Uh, I used to perform uh, the Riddles Comedy Club over on uh, in Orland Park on oh, I yeah. think 159th. I think it was on. Okay, cool. Yeah, it is a great club. Uh, but tell us about Banging Gavels. You guys have a great. There's a great uh, Chicago Tribune article. If folks want to look it up uh, yeah. about the, uh, the it's Vote House. Yeah, the Vote House. Tell us about the Vote House, and this yeah. is your new des- the new location for you guys. Yeah. So we we just opened the 14th, but we bought it in 2017. It's a historic landmark. Okay. And it was built originally in 1865 and it was vacant when we bought it. And so it's been a lot of different things over time. It was originally a hunting lodge. It was a family home. It was apartments, offices. At one point I heard there was um, a pop soda bottling line in the basement. So we're switching it out, you know, with beer instead. 
Um, yeah, so it's been a lot of stuff, and we restored it. It was kind of just falling apart when we bought it, and we, uh, yeah, we put a lot of energy and time and dedication to restore the building and make it a brewery. Was this something that you, because I, I often think about finding a building that has not just a great great stories behind it, has great bones, obviously a location is major. Yeah. Uh, was this something you've always wanted to do, was be able to find a property like this? Um, it definitely was like top of the list to find something that would be a destination that we could make unique. Mm-hmm. Um, we st- we founded our, our brewery in 2014. My uncle's a lawyer, so that's like everything that's around that theme. It was kind of a fun thing to do. Oh, banging gals, gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and um, when we saw this building, it was like, oh, you know, it's really cool, but you know, we it's it might not be the right fit for us, so we kept looking, and but it always was like. Oh, that building is just so beautiful. It has so much character. And people, like, you would, people come and see it and they're like, oh, it looks like an old courthouse. Right. You know, when you see it, it's wonderful. It's really beautiful. So, was there. Were there any uh, surprises? Because when you excavate and you you know you're going through oh, the layers yes. and, and you know decades of past you know tenants, what 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 were some of the things that you were surprised by? Um, well, I mean, just like the process of like how long it took to to go through the process because it's a historic landmark. We worked with like the state shippo. We had to go to the national parks um, national office to get everything, all the design, the architecture plans approved. You know, they're like, you have to keep the main hallway, the the main staircase has to be intact. We have to use the same um, wood that everything was, it was very uh, intense and, you know, but fun. We learned a lot and we, you know, we had like different ideas of what we were going to do with the building. You know, I wanted to like go to the brick and have exposed brick and have really industrial brewery space. And I was like... You know, that's kind of what it was trending at the time, you know, in the, you know, 2014, like that at that time. But like when we were told we had to keep the historic integrity of like 1865 when it was built, I actually went to museums and like studied the design and architecture and Italiante style is what it's is part of like a Victorian okay. subset. And I... I went to antique malls and everything and found things that were just very specific to this time period. And, like, it actually is like made the experience even more unique. That's incredible. I love that. I, and because there's another building. I can't remember the it's, it's a distillery that also has in a building like over the, the Lime Springs. You know, okay. I, I can't remember. It's a Thornton Distillery. Right. Oh, and right. they have a, and their, their property goes back to around the same time yeah. period. And it's, I love that you guys have done this. Mm-hmm. And it's such an important element to the community. I'm yeah. sure people have got to be thrilled about it. Yeah, they really are. And they, they've, you know, people have been like, when is this actually going to happen? You know, it, it's <laughs> long time coming. So, yeah, you know, we're, you we're snap very, your fingers. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We're very appreciative of like the, the village and their support and, and just everyone in the community and their patience. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of the oldest buildings in Tinley Park. Yes. And, and you guys have been open, uh, just recently, yes. with all the work going into preserving this mm-hmm. building, following all the guidelines, uh, what's the celeb- what, what, what's that feeling like? Knowing that you've birthed this incredible venture. Oh man, it, it feels really good to actually like say, "Go check it out," instead of like you have to wait. You know, that's, right. it's it's just really cool to be like, you know, we have something really cool to to share with everybody. And our beer, you know, we've been brewing since 2014, but we've been contract brewing, which is completely different. Sure. Um, but, you know, our brewer is really talented, JT Ray. He's been in the industry for uh, like almost 20 years. And so we're really, you know, fortunate to have his expertise and, and passion 
and everybody, like my uncle, his passion for the business, my husband, mine in marketing and just like helping get the word out. Like we all have our areas of expertise and our, our love for this business. So yeah. it's really cool. So you had your opening night. Did you have, did you have like a big opening night? Yeah, we did. We, we, we tapped um, our very first Firkin. Um, which was really fun, and we had a great turnout there. Um, we had live music, um, and people could try our beer for the first time. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then we had we had cocktails, and we had food. We passed out you know samples of things from our menu. We have a tapas style shareable plates, um, and that's you know our menu is is really cool too. Like our kitchen, because it's a historic landmark, our kitchen's really unique too. We couldn't vent anything, so we have uh, ventless. Eventless kitchen. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really, you know, something new and innovative, I would say. So we're like very forward in um, how we produce our, our all of the food. So with the, and with the space, it looks like a, like a, a courtroom. Like they said it looked like a courtroom or a courthouse. Do yeah. you have like venue space for like special events and we things do. like that too? Tell yeah. us a little about that. Yeah. So upstairs we have a space that can hold up to 80 people. And mm-hmm. that's actually where we're going to host our New Year's Eve party. Okay. Yeah. So we have um, shop. A shout section, big band, jazz band playing for that event. But like we've we've hosted weddings already. Oh wow! And people were waiting. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> they're like you know. And we have a we have a form online where people can go on and uh, and fill it out and and tell us what type of party they're they're looking to host because we have a couple different rooms, but our biggest space is will hold eighty. And what's your New Year's Eve package look like for folks? Yeah, so um, it's one hundred and fifty per ticket, and then we have you know all you could drink, all you can eat. We have a buffet. Um, or stations and past hors d'oeuvres. Um, I have one of the cocktails here I'm going to pour for you. Uh-oh. But Yeah, why not? Um, it's a great Gatsby theme. So the one that I brought <gasps> for you is fun. called The Last Word, uh-huh. um, which is a gin green uh, shirt. I, I, yeah, so bad. I, I do the same I mean. thing. Oh, my God, Becky. <laughs> Becky, look, here's the thing. People will tell you. The other day, what was the word I was trying to do? Absolutely. Yeah, there was a word. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get it. Yeah. So look at me. It's okay. Uh, and, yeah, I'm the same way. And then um, um, maraschino liquor and lime juice and cherry garnish. So that's what you're going to try. Nice. And then we're also going to have like Mary Pickford, um, the grasshopper, a couple champagne cocktails, one that is actually a black velvet um, it's going to be champagne with our dry Irish stout. That's oh, our I've stout. Never, I'm sorry, you're having stout with champagne cocktail? Yeah. Oh, It's I half and half. I like that. Yeah. I do cider and, and uh, Guinness. That's one of my favorite things. So you guys do your stout. with. That's perfect. Yeah, that so that should great. be fun. Um, and then we'll have like cocktail shrimp shooters, caprese skewers, um, a whole bunch of stuff, like uh, assorted veggie platters. So a variety for you know different dietary needs and you know, all the, the dirt desserts and all that. So yeah, it's a little taste of everything that we have on our menu and um, some new things. And how do people make reservations for New Year's Eve? Yeah, so we uh, the tickets are on our, you can find them on our website, so banginggavel.com. Banginggavel.com, you guys. Uh, that's the, the website to go to to find out more about the location mm-hmm. and to m- make your plans for New Year's Eve. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's, it's funny, like, people, some people have their New Year's Eve plans way ahead of time, uh, and other people are like, I, I hadn't even thought about it, about it because of the holidays, you know? Yeah. I, mean, how, I know. I know. Was, I'm definitely one of those. How was, so you, you were in Indianapolis for Christmas. Yeah. And so, so Santa was very generous there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to make sure Santa knows where you're going. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We had the elf come with us. And so he Aww. could you know, make sure that uh, he knew where we were. 
Yeah. That was that was very smart. That was a very <laughs> smart thing to do. Uh, and and the nice thing about about a New Year's Eve in a new location, what a great way to bring in a new year is to help christen this wonderful business. Absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's take a quick break here. We are hanging out in, in studio with Becky O'Connor from Banging Gavel Banging Gavel's Brewery mm-hmm. in Tinley Park. The, it's where the it's the Vote House V O G V V O G T. So if you're familiar right. with that building, that's where they are now. Yes, and making uh, making a new stories every single day. Yeah, I love that. Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back and continue our conversation. Maybe I'll have a sip of something. You don't know. Oh yeah. Maybe it's just it's just a taste. More after this on WCPTA twenty Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Andy, it got a little dangerous in here. There's kids and booze in the studio now, and now it's my fault. I just want you to know that right All now. All at once, yeah. <laughs> Joining us in the studio is Becky O'Connor from Banging Gavel's Brewery over in Tinley Park at the, the Vote House. It's a historic landmark that they have now claimed as their home. They opened recently. The community is excited. And to christen the new building for the New Year's, they've got a great celebration. You can go to bangingavels.com. Is that right? Bangingavel.com. Banging Gavel. Yeah. Just one banging gavel. Only one. Just one. You yeah. don't need a, I mean, if you're banging gavels, you're, the judge. Like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're, <if> you're doing, <laughs> <yeah>. One gavel. <laughs> like one things, person right? decides. <laughs> so you said that you, the first one, what's the name of this uh, yeah, hazy IPA? This is, this is Offshore Trust. Offshore Trust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. So it's pineapple, mango, orange flavors. Mm-hmm. And... Can you hear them? It's okay. My it's, kids. It's Audrey, Audrey, and Dugan are in studio with us as, all, as well. <laughs> yeah, so this beer. Like what? This beer's got I like six look. hops. Very hoppy. Mm. So. Oh, that is really For the tasty. holidays. Happy yes. holidays. Happy holidays. I love it. <laughs> Outstanding. And then, the, so the theme for the New Year's Eve celebration is, oh, sorry, everybody that's watching yeah. on, online. I have to yeah. f- fix my camera. The theme is the Great Gatsby. Yeah. So who's the fan of uh, the Roaring Twenties? Oh, it's me. Okay. And I think I in my it. past life, I, I lived Prohibition, Roaring Twenties. Okay. And I was like obsessed with the book, even in high school. And um, my uncle actually threw it out there, and, and I was like, yeah, we're doing that. Well, our, our building is from that period. Sure. You know, it's it w- way before that period. So right, right. We're, we're sure people partied hard there. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that, <laughs> yeah. too. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Great Gatsby, uh, just the, the, the feel of it, you know, whether it's the flapper dresses yeah. or the, the men's suits and things like yeah, that. I agree. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I know there, we're not the only ones to do it, but it's the right it's the right destination, right place to, to host it. Yeah. You know, people can can dance. We're going to have, you know, like I said, a live band, jazz band. Uh-huh. So people can swing dance if they want. Do a little, like we're have a do a little Charleston. Yeah. <laughs> and, or if that's not your thing, we have other rooms that you can explore. How many rooms do you have that you can explore? Um, so there, there, we have a parlor across the hall from that main room mm-hmm. upstairs. And then we have the, the tap room, of course, to downstairs in the, on the main floor. And then there's a dining room across the way from that. So, Excellent. And yeah. here's the thing, you know, Tinley Park, as we know, is such a great community. You've got great restaurants, great uh, entertainment there. And we talk about this every single time we mention Tinley Park. The metro station yeah. is right there. It's so across the street. It's Right. We just drop you right off at gang- Ganging. Now I got it all wrong. Do you see what I'm doing, Dugan? <coughs> now I'm getting all my old words tw- twisted around. It's Banging Gavel. Mm-hmm. Uh, drop you right off there in, in, exactly. on the metro. There's two stops in uh, in Tinley Park for yeah, metro. Yeah, so this so, is uh, the one on Oak. Park, Oak Park Avenue. Yep, right downtown. 
Um, and, you know, it's not far if people, um, you know, are coming from different areas of the city. Mm-hmm. Of course, get an Uber, but, you know, right. we're not far from I-80. Sure. Just north of it, like Great. a couple and minutes. And so. somebody's got to be a designated driver anyway. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. And again, visit the website so you can find out about, about their uh, their specials, the, especially this event coming up. It's $150. It's an uh, open bar. Mm-hmm. There's buffet. There's all different stations. It's a great yep. Gatsby theme. And then this this uh, this uh, dangerous cocktail. This that, is the uh, last word. The, the last word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not ready for my last word. Andy's like, I don't no, know how you, this is going to go down no. here. You can <laughs> say, say that until the end, I guess. But no, you can. <laughs> I, I still have another hour to do, but we'll be I'll, okay. I'll manage. Yeah. <laughs> I love. Okay, this is another thing that I've noticed about really uh, serious restaurant re- uh, folks who represent restaurants. Like sometimes they'll, they'll bring stuff, but people who are serious about it, they're like, it has to be in the proper glass. Yeah. And I would know because like my friend um, like just opened you. Patina mm-hmm. in Park Ridge, and I think in McHenry. Um, my friend Carissa Schaefer always. We always talk about like the importance of the right glass. Do you do you yeah. guys do that with like this goes well with yes. this? Yeah. Yeah. Even our beer, like yeah. you know, our brewer, he he was like, this is the glass for the saison. This is the glass for, the, you know, the stout, everything. And, you know, everything's about craft and doing it like tradition uh-huh. and our interpretation of that. Yeah. So even our food, we have the different platters. I didn't bring you food today. That's okay. But you, we'll host hey, you. I'm okay with that. This is, this is officially the most booze we've ever had in the studio, Andy. Oh. I think you would say. <laughs> you would agree. Uh, let me let me do this real quick. Here. Uh, Audrey, do you want to sit down? See that microphone right there? You can sit down there. And uh, and your brother. Hey, Dugan, if you want to come yeah. on over there, you can come say hi and Merry Christmas. You want to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody? There's a couple, two, three people listening. Do you want to go ahead? Come on over. Oh, no, that was too much pressure. Mm-hmm. That was too much. You can give them a say hi. No? Nobody wants to say hi no. to your friends? That's okay. All right, then. <laughs> now he's, they're hiding from me, Andy. All right. That's all right. That's all right. And so speaking of which, though, yeah. you, 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 we were talking about the brewery, and this is also a family a family establishment. Yes. Yes. It is. Um, and it's actually our first child. It's, it's, it's older than them that we've been doing this. Right. I, uh, yeah, I joke about that all the time. Um, the building we bought before she was even born. Um, so it's kind of crazy. Lot. I'm sorry. You've been pregnant twice. Yes. Since you've been going through all this. And yeah. you, you are totally pulled together. You don't even look like you're under any stress. I'm just so excited Yay. to bring it up to the world. That's amazing. Bring life to it, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely did. This is a huge thing. And it's such a, you know, during the pandemic, one of my missions was to help small business owners uh, because they're the landscape. That's where we, mm-hmm. like my, my joint is right down the street, the Gale Street. And I've been going there since I was nice. six years old. Yeah. That's what you're going to be to yeah. Tinley Park. People in their 50s are going to be like, oh, my God, you know, banging gavel. My parents took me there for special events. And, you know, it's this historic building that I'm just, oh, <laughs> don't get that's emotional. so cool. Yeah. I mean, like, that's that's my joint down the street. That's mm-hmm. going to be the joints for, for folks who are going to go there for memories. They're going to go there for weddings and re- wedding rehearsals and funerals and birthday parties. You've brought so much to the neighborhood. I really want to congratulate you. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. You just like. Yeah. Wow. That's that, because for you, it's the dream of mm-hmm. wanting to share this with people. But you're going to create memories for decades. Like, yeah. I know that. Oh, Becky. <laughs> You're amazing. Congra- really. No, it's been a lot of fun. And it's it's finally like what you're describing. It's like what we wanted. Make a place that people feel comfortable and like make memories. 
So it's really cool to hear it from someone else. <laughs> you know, I am in love with you. I know it was a long drive to come yeah. all the way to uh, to Jefferson Park to tell your story. Mm-hmm. We are so proud to be a part of it. And I Thank want to tell you, you anytime you want to, you know what we'll do? Let's do this. Uh, I would like to come to you at some point. I can broadcast awesome. from Banging, yeah, ga- banging Gavel. Yeah, we'll I would love to come out there, there and yeah. do that. Yeah, that would be really fun to come and experience it. Invite our listeners to come out to the to the venue. Awesome. Uh, what do you have planned? Like, is there already plans for Valentine's Day? Um, we will do we'll yes. do some sort of event for yeah, that. Yeah, everyone, go to banginggavel.com. Yes, 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 we haven't posted it yet, but it will be coming soon. We're going to do something for the Super Bowl and March Madness. I mean, it's a place to come in and like all the things like. And we're going to have weekly specials all the time. So, well, this live drink, music too. This so. this drink is ridiculously good. It that, is, it's like, yeah, that is. is fantastic. So mm-hmm. it's called the Last Word. Yep. And you mentioned that it has gin, mm-hmm. a word neither you nor I are completely confident pronouncing because I, I know what word you're talking about. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, shiru, shiru, sh- yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an old timey liqueur, yeah. I believe. My friend uh, Adam Selzer, who does a lot of uh, Chicago history books, he'll do a Thursday night virtual tour and have cocktail and uh, cocktail ingredients and recipes. And I never have any of the elements. Right. It's green chartreuse. Chartreuse. That's there I go. got it. Yeah. Without green chartreuse. I love it. So green chartreuse and yes. it's maraschino it, liquor, mm-hmm. lime juice, and cherry garnish. It's really fabulous. It's so great. I love it. And uh, and so are you, so you'll be at the event. You have your I flapper will. dress already. Oh yeah, That's, I got it. Black and gold. Those are my colors. Very nice. Well, Audrey, it was a pleasure to meet you. Kyle, pleasure to meet you. Dugan, I can't see you, but it was wonderful to meet you, and I hope to see you again. I wish you a happy New Year, and I'm so glad you came in with Mom for this. Really, please yeah, repeat. This is so much. This is please. This, this is, is a future. About. Yeah, they love having people. Exactly. Like, she gives the tours. You do. <laughs> she does. Audrey, will you come out? Come here for a second. Will you say hi to everybody in Chicago? Chicago. Hi. Will you give me a tour when I come visit Bang and Gavel? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dugan, before I go, do you want to come say hello to anybody? You want to come say hi? Say anything? Say do I, it. You can say I love you, Mommy and Daddy and Audrey. I love you, Mommy and Daddy. And what about Audrey? Oh. Audrey. We love you, Dugan. Well, thank you. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank Happy you so New much Year. for coming into the studio, and I look awesome. forward to visiting you. I really yeah, do. That thank you. Fun. Thank you so much. Again, banginggavel.com. Make your reservations for New Year's Eve. They have such a wonderful space that you need to celebrate the New Year in. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. Thank, thank, thank you for coming in studio. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we've got Tom Appel. Driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. I uh, was informed that we didn't get a chance to get to the uh, second, uh, the second growler from yes. uh, Banging Gavel. Becky O'Connor joins us in studio, the, the one of the masterminds behind Banging Gavel, now at the Vote House in Tinley Park. They recently opened, and they have a great New Year's celebration coming up. And Tom Appel was walking down the hall, and I was like, do you drink? And, and he's like, I, I would love to taste some. So we, we she has shared two of the beers with she you. She has. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 I'm, I've been not just smelling the uh, cocktail that they have. They're the last word. It's very mm-hmm. good, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Well, I have sampled both in front of me, and they're yes. both excellent. So tell us about, so the first one was a hazy IPA. Yeah. So then um, the other one is Vienna, and this one's a little sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's biscuit and toffee. 
Do you get that when you I taste? I do, but it's lighter than that somehow. Yeah. It's it's very refreshing. It is, yeah, it's nice, right? I would I would not normally go for something you're describing, but this is very good. Mm-hmm. What do you usually because I I like I, hazy IPAs. My my uh, dear friend uh, Tom Carmack loved hey well he loved beers. I mean like this was that was his thing was was traveling and trying that was the way he traveled was he would try new distilleries and breweries and things like that and he loved juicy hazy IPAs. Okay, and uh, so I I didn't before him before I met him and uh, but this your hazy IPA with a little bit of citrus and the pineapple is yeah. amazing. What's the name of that one? Offshore Trust. Offshore Trust. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In Vienna is uh, Face the Music. Face the Music. You know, it's like, it has the law term, but also because we always have live music Uh in Tinley Park. It's like part of our... see, look at that. Yeah, so we wanted to, you know, pay tribute to that. Who do you think is more creative in names? I think that uh, brewers have to name so many more things than car makers. So, <laughs> oh, anyone but car makers, I would say. Yeah, I, I know car makers are kind of. I, I love the fun names that so many yeah. breweries come brewers come uh, up with. Mike Rivers too are doing a heck of a job with packaging. Yes, my daughter walks around liquor stores just to. She doesn't drink, but she mm-hmm. likes the packaging, especially oh, on, on micro With my eyes, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, I, I'm, I'm the same way too. And when folks come to uh, Bang and Gavel, they can grab a, a growler if they like something. Then they're, yeah, so we're going to have crawlers actually. So crawl- cans like the oh, bigger. Okay. Yeah, they're like the 32 ounce can that you can take so it's fresh and it, you just crack it open just like a regular. Oh, like I love a can. that. So, right, because yeah. you got to really make sure you reseal those growlers. Yeah. yeah, so those don't like last as, as well. You know, you, yeah. you don't have like when you. Yeah. Well, and then I forget to bring them back to the the location that I originally purchased it in order to refill it, and I've got four growlers on my back porch. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things. So I don't know if you got to hear some of the story, but this is a, a, a building that has been there since the 1860s in Tinley I did Park. Hear that. It's amazing. Yeah. I love this story so much, uh, and I, I really hope that uh, that folks, uh, I, you know, enjoy their New Year's Eve. I know you're going to have a wildly successful. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Lots that, of fr- it, new friends. Yes, a lot of new <laughs> friends. And for our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF 950 AM, they're not available nationally yet, but I'm sure that at some point. But when you're in the Chicagoland area, you can uh, hop on our Metra, our great public transportation, and dr- get dropped off right across the street. And that's for our Chicago neighbors as well. You can get off at the Oak, the Oak Street, Oak Park, ex- Oak Park, yeah. Oak Park, the Oak Park uh, train. location, mm-hmm. yeah, train stop, and uh, it's right across. I love that. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah, Rock Island train line. Yep. Well, it's so funny. I don't know if you do. You get a chance to take Metro because you're near a stop. Not too. a long time. I used to commute into the city when I was a much younger man. Well, what's I, I, I was on the train from Woodstock one time, uh-huh. and these girls got on because my sons love the train. So uh, we, these true girls got on, and clearly going out to party. They were going to Wicker Park. It was just so weird to think of, like you know the, the neighborhoods that like when I was a kid were kind of dangerous. In the '80s, Wicker Park was a yeah. You just, avoided that, right? right it was barren area and obviously got gentrified and they were they were all excited about going to wicker park and we were going through edison park they're like we should go to edison park sometime i've heard it's a really good a fun place to go and like that's what what a lot of young people do is they look for mm-hmm. air, you know communities where it where it's I, I guess the old folk like us would say it's really hopping <laughs> it's, i remember when edison, edison park, park had a, a bunch yeah. of good mexican restaurants i don't know if that's still true where in uh, tinley in edison, no, park. Edison, park. edison park no no sorry 
Don Juan's clothes. It, That's the one I was thinking of. They have clothes. There. All of them have clothes. Yeah, even my Irish pub. I'd go Cara. to Cara. Yeah. Where do you live? Well, I I work up in oh, Skokie. Right. You, yeah. you, live in, you work in Skokie, but live yeah. in Tinley. I actually live in Beverly. So okay, so not. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be it's still a South. big commute. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Not mm-hmm. Tinley's even farther, mm-hmm. so that's cool. But yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Let's not talk about the, the restaurants that we've lost. I I don't live in Edison Park. There's only so much I could do. Yeah, <laughs> I worked on Jefferson Park and making sure that like Gale Street and I some like Weston's, which is a great coffee shop by the way, and that's where I pick up some of my growlers and I have four of those on my back porch, <laughs> as well as maybe Printer's Row and uh, Illuminated. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> those are my- those are my places. Well, I, I wish you all the greatest success, and yeah, thank you so for much for bringing me. us a, a taste so of fun. Absolutely, and uh, and please don't hesitate to to come back anytime. Uh, but awesome. I, like I said, I want to come to you. And since you Let's are, if you're like you know, hey, I'm swinging by. If you want to stop by and give us an update on upcoming events, you know where we are now. Sounds great. If I'm I on your route, that. yeah, I'm gonna, I'll give you my number before before you head out. Uh, cool. and, and Chris, if you're listening, uh, I hope that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and Kyle, I hope it's okay that your wife gives me her digits too. To say. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break cool. here when we come back. It's uh, Tom Appel, our car guy. Let's find out what's going on at the end of the year. Maybe the, the best and worst uh, auto uh, moments of yeah. 2023. I didn't, you didn't know that's what we were doing, but now it is. You know what, though? That's what everyone asks me. So I'm, I, I'm semi-prepared. <laughs> I have no I, notes, but I am semi-prepared. I was supposed to do a political thing about worst and best and worst. I'm like, there's so much happening. How can I possibly just whittle down to just a couple? Uh, again, Becky O'Connor from Banging Gavel. We are so grateful, uh, not just for you visiting visiting us in the studio, but for bringing to, to life this wonderful venue that people will enjoy for decades. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. A- absolutely. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. If you have any questions for our, our car guy, Tom Appel, 773-763-9278. More in a moment. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technocraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200, or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are hanging out with Tom Appel, a consumer car guy. Indeed. Consumer Consumer guide car guy. Yep. Go to uh, Car Guy Tom. F- follow him. Yeah, Car Guy Tom on Twitter and all the things. We already have a phone call for you. Do you see? Wow. You're, you're going to need headphones. I'm going to need friend. headphones. You're going to need headphones. I didn't I, even test them. I was uh, talking about. Is it too loud? The uh, you're good. Okay. I uh, I was writing a, a memo for my uh, office about labor strikes in 2023, and it really is interesting. I don't know how much you've seen the way in which the UAW strike has transformed, really, the auto industry when it comes to pay. Because even other car makers were like, you know what, we're just gonna, we're going to go ahead and do it. Almost all of them that are building cars in the U.S. Yeah. immediately jacked up their pay. And that, I mean, here's the thing. The money is there. Someone, you know, uh, was saying that some of the big banks are starting to cut 
employees. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, how much were the bonuses at the holidays that Citicorp decided to, or Citigroup decided to cut 5,000 employees? I want to know what the bonuses in the, in, anyway, that's, that's my beef with all this because clearly there was money in the auto industry to make sure we compensate workers appropriately. Well, there's, there's another element to this too that's not being discussed and it's kind of simple. In the next four years, mm-hmm. there would have been raises anyway. Mm-hmm. There had to be because they had to keep their, their workforce. So whatever the, an automaker tells you that this costs them, it was kind of built in. It's over or under the amount that they were going to give in raises anyway. Okay. So whatever they say this is going to cost them in billions of dollars, they were going to have to increase pay anyway. So it's not that huge a difference. Yes, there's an impact, and you can measure that impact, and you can say this contract cost you that. But that's really exaggerated. Yeah. And and one of the things is the shift to electric vehicles. Yeah. That was some of the protections that the labor unions wanted to make sure was baked into the contract was protections for employment, for where plants were going to be and things like that, too. Well, yeah. And to be sure that that the battery plants, for example, were covered by this contract, this large umbrella contract. And one of the interesting things about that is since the contract was ratified, there have been two big layoffs at General Motors already, and they're, they're electrification-related. Right. Um, and two of those plants are going to bring people back, but not as many people. Right. I believe that all the union members will, will be offered employment somewhere. That was part of the, the I coverage. I think that's correct, yep. yep. So speaking of electric vehicles, see how I, I, yeah. I made that long That was loop? slick. <laughs> Jim in Chicago has a question. I know. I see. I'm like, I got to. Whoa. <laughs> Hold on a second, Jim. Let me. I think I have you a little hot there. Okay. Hey, Jim. How you doing? How are you? I'm just going to say that I heard a kind of startling statistic. In the EU, 50% of the cars are electric. And in 10 years, by the, by the year 2034, it should be 100% of their cars will be electric. We're at 9%. So we're far behind. Any suggestions about uh, a cheaper electric car or how Americans can uh, can get on a bandwagon for electric cars uh, to make them more affordable and, and uh, cheaper American cheaper cars, cheaper electric cars are probably coming more quickly now because demand seems to have softened somewhat for electric vehicles. When they launched pre-COVID, everyone was super excited about electric vehicles, and all the vehicles that were launched then experienced huge price increases because everyone was just like, they're the future, yeah. these are cool, we want them. And and then all of a sudden COVID hit, the chip shortage hit, and then the prices of electric vehicles went crazy, partly because of, of, of uh, uh, supply chain issues and partly because of massive greed. Like Ford just kept raising the Thank price you. of the F-150 Lightning. And, and ultimately, people, it, people's interest cooled. Also, there's a lot of competition now. There's more electric cars now than there ever have been, so people have choices. Demand isn't quite as high, so we're going to see cheaper electric cars. Um, well, well, that's good. Good. That's good news. And uh, you two have a happy new year. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. Uh, and what, do we know anything about what the satisfaction rates are? Like, you know, is there... Uh, any sort of study out there to reflect how people feel about ownership of a, an electric vehicle? For the most part, you keep seeing these random stories show up or like someone says, I own an electric car, I'll never do it again. But actually, people love their electric cars. Okay. But that's they are fun. having more problems with them mm. than gasoline-powered cars, and that's according to J.D. Power. Um, but a lot of these problems
problems are not directly related to the electric drivetrains, and some of them are related to, to the charging infrastructure if you charge away from home. Very unpleasant experience. And if you've seen my rants in social media, I've had a tremendously difficult time charging test vehicles lately. Mm. Uh, and this is specifically with EVgo and Electrify America. Is that for the the, the uh, accessibility, the cost, the just how many there are? Out no, there? it's actually just complete failures to charge. Ah! Or and that, so that's frustrating. And that was EVgo, and I, I'm zero for four with EVgo this month. But the other one was disappointing is Electrify America, which advertises what they call fast charging and hyper charging, which are supposed to be very, very fast. Uh-huh. And I've been massively disappointed with both, even when they work. You know, they're supposed to be giving up to 350 kilowatts of power, which is really fast. You can charge an electric vehicle 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just really fast. By the time you get through playing a game on sure. your phone, you're done. And they never go that fast. It's, just, it's, it's super disappointing. Typically, typically, how long does it take to charge a car? Um, the, the one I had to go to, uh, I had to leave Palatine, go to Lake Zurich to charge a vehicle. And that took me like 90 minutes to get most of a charge. Yeah. So really too long. And that's because it wasn't delivering the power it said it would. Wow. Yeah. Disappointing. I, I don't even think about those kinds of things. Oh, here, Gene uh, from the South Suburbs has a question for you. Tom, Gene, you're on with Tom Appel. Yes, I didn't hear the whole conversation, but um, I just uh, wanted to give some input. I was just about to buy my EV today uh-huh. and read the, this article about, uh, because what really sold me to, besides wanting to go green and all this, was this tax incentive. Yeah. Now, do you did you already put out there starting January first, the tax incentive of seventy five hundred dollars now can come off your price at the dealer, and the dealer will get the seventy five hundred from the government within seventy two hours. Huh? Yeah, so if that works. There's yeah, a, some well, question about the logistics of that. It will eventually work, and the intention is for it to work. It may be sluggish at first, but yeah, the big advantage there is as a consumer is you get the money right away. That comes off the price of the car. You're not waiting until next year when you file your taxes. And the other part is it comes off the price of the car, so you should not pay tax on that 7500 bucks either. So it's kind of a, an additional incentive. Okay, because I'm going back there Tuesday. They say, come back Tuesday. We should be all set. It's Chevy. I'm buying the Bolt. The Bolt's they wonderful. Bolt. A delightful yes. little car. So yes, cute. I can't wait to get it. But I'm not. I am going back. So they said our program should be up. You know, so you can get that seventy-five hundred dollars when I walk in there on and Tuesday and get that off. It'll be a tremendous savings on my monthly uh, payment. Well, good luck to you. So, I would love to know how you do with that car. I'd love to know how much you like it. Okay, and, and I didn't catch your name. Are you on the website? Or? Yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm yeah. with consumerguide.com. You can just email me at consumerguide.com. And you'll be at his newsletter okay. and save the date. Gene, yeah. congratulations on on, uh, on your search for an electric vehicle yeah. and, and ownership soon. It's wonderful to hear from you. I can't wait. Oh, that's yes. exciting. Gene, have you called the show, have you called the show before? Because I, I feel like I haven't heard from you. Well, I have called in the past when... Um, but not with you. I've been on like Stephanie Miller and uh, oh my gosh, uh, Dick Hay, You know, I was on his show in there, but I, I haven't well, been on yours. Well, on, on Fridays, <laughs> on Fridays, I don't know if you're aware, and uh, and I encourage you to listen on Fridays. But I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it right now. I'm, I'm doing an audible. I'm making an audible, Andy. I, I'm giving Gene a prize for calling my show for the first time. We have gift cards from some great sponsors, and you're gonna receive one of those. Okay, Gene. 
Oh my God, great! Because I mean, I, I listen to this. I listen to on the radio. They play. <laughs> I, well, we're I that, well. I'm glad you called, uh, and I look forward to hearing from you again. Hopefully, this will motivate you to uh, to, to call us whenever whenever the okay. mood strikes you, or text. Okay, so stay on the line, yeah, and Andy Andy's going to grab your information. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because we have give, we have uh, wonderful sponsors like Gindo Spice of Life, Hot Sauce, Brown Sugar Bakery, Crave Brothers, Crave Brothers Farmstead Cheese, Sam's Famous Salsa, Timeless Toys, Rocking Buckaroo Pepper Jam and Seasoning Blends, Hungry Monkey Baking Company, which, by the way, she's now available in uh, Jewels, hopefully near you, oh. and Uve Kitchen and Wine Bar right here in Chicago, plus our friends at BootTights.com. Thank you to Shelly Mason for supp- supplying those gift cards as well. So, uh, yeah, just... I, I was like, I haven't heard from Jean. She, maybe she doesn't call in on Fridays. It's a, our first time our Friday gift cards. Oh. I decided to make it a Wednesday. Cool. When she calls is Wednesday. That's when she called. <laughs> I, I, I do want to have an EV someday, but it, it just sometimes it just sounds like such a pain in the butt. And you, you drive kind of far to get to gigs. Yeah. So you would be so, responsible probably to charge at some point along that yeah, trip. And that's just still a little dicey. Yeah, I, I like my hybrids. I have two hybrids. I'm very happy with them. Yeah, yeah. it's a great I mean, way to go until then. Yeah, I mean, pretty much both cars cost about, I mean, and that's the other thing, too. Uh, the gas prices. How exciting is it right now for folks with how low gas prices I'm are? I've seen a lot of under three bucks yeah. in this area. And Not I, in Chicago, but. Uh, someone sent me one. It probably wasn't Chicago either, but I was in, it was under $3 in Mokina, and I was so excited. Okay. Yeah, I live right at the edge of Cook and Lake, and uh-huh. Lake County is much cheaper than Cook. So if you drift out that way. Okay, good to know. You're seeing deeply under three bucks. In Wisconsin, it's uh, significant. It's like fifty cents cheaper, I think. Yeah, maybe even more so, up to a dollar, I think, in some places. It's crazy. But no one's. How come people aren't celebrating the same way they were complaining a year ago? I don't. I don't understand. I do love, and I've mentioned this before, the big banner on ninety. I don't know what business has it, like a big Trump banner that says, "I miss when gas was three dollars and seventy five cents." I'm like, oh, well, that's weird. We could pay more if you want. <laughs> that's what he's looking for. Excellent. Well, but pe- people say, you know, well, the president doesn't determine the gas prices. Only that's what they say. You know, when it's right. Biden, when, when it works for them, exactly. <laughs> Also, the weird part is we're not seeing huge gas prices during conflict in the Middle East, which normally would, would throw get oil point. prices through the roof, and it's not happening. That's a really good point, too. What are what are the costs? That, how are our folks doing? You mentioned that there's a, there are going to be cheaper cars because of, you know, now that we've got the supply chain pretty much worked out, uh, we've gotten through the, the strikes. And uh, so, I mean, are, are there certain cars that are more affordable at this point than others, like maybe some of the smaller? Because everyone seems to want to have an SUV. They do. And... and- the average price of a new car is a little bit sticky right now. And what's happening is that American consumers continue to buy more more expensive and better equipped vehicles. Okay. So it's not so much that the price of cars has gone up. It's the price of the cars we're buying okay. is going up. They're much better equipped. Now, prices did go up during COVID, during the supply chain shortages, but not a lot. One of the, reasons, one of the ways a manufacturer can raise prices is simply to pull the incentives off of a vehicle. Okay. And that absolutely happened during COVID, and we're starting to see those incentives show up again. And we're talking about incentives means the uh, the amount of financing. Yeah, it could be cheap financing. It could be cash back to the consumer. And sometimes it's dealer cash, which is really interesting because it's hard to work with. And that's money that the, the dealer gets. Mm-hmm. You don't know about it, but it helps them when they 
and negotiate a price with a consumer. And the only way to really know about it is to look for advertised prices. You want to check websites where they list the list the, their inventory and uh-huh. see the prices on those cars because you need to know about that money. And there's no reason why they would ever tell you about it. No, not at all. Right? Are there are there you know solid places? Do you go to Kelly's Blue Book to see what prices are now, or what what are your preferences to determine what you know what range a car should be? You know, in? a good place to go to is DriveChicago.com. That's oh. run by the Chicago Automobile Trade Association. But many dealers list their inventory there with a selling price. Okay. So it's a great place to compare cars. But you can go to Cars.com. That's good. I see cars is good. All right. Full disclosure, they're regular guests on my podcast. But I see cars. Yeah. I see cars. Yep. Yep. S E E. Yeah. All right. See cars. Good site too. But you want to just check around and make sure that you know what other people are paying for these cars. And uh, you know, is there? Um how we, you know, used vehicles, we had a, a moment where people, I mean, they were emailing folks that had just bought a used vehicle. They're like, hey, any chance you want to sell it back to us? About two years ago. How are we doing with that inventory? That particular condition is over, but okay. used cars are still expensive. Yeah. Um, which is good if you're trading in a car. But part of the problem is that nothing was like leased for two years because of the shortage. Oh, that's true. So nearly new cars were in, in short supply because these lease turn-ins, you know, they should be happening right now from COVID aren't happening. So that's keeping the price of used cars artificially high right now. Those are going to ease in the next 18 months. I cannot tell you how lucky I felt uh, when we bought our used car, the price. And, and I feel like I was just in the window. It was just before they started to go up. But the other thing was like the mileage on my car. I had a 2018 that I bought in 2022 with 32,000 miles on it. I felt like I won the lottery. <laughs> I was just like, what? Okay, I'll take it. It's crazy. Yeah. People have been renting cars with 80,000 miles on them, and that's, that's clearing up now, too. But for a while, no, manufacturers were not selling cars to rental fleets because that was their last resort. Yeah. If they had too much product, they'd shove them into a rental fleet. Right. And, and people might remember the, the really ugly days of the 80s and 90s, like Ford owned Hertz, for example, and they, just, they would build too many cars and just stuff them into rental fleets just to keep production up. And that's not the way it works anymore, thank God, because it was terrible for used car values. What are your, what's your sense on, on buying a rental car as a used car? You know, that's mixed. I'm, I'm a big fan of it, actually. There are people like, well, I, you don't know how people treated them, blah, blah, blah. But they are very well maintained by the rental companies because they want to maintain the resale value of those vehicles because they're eventually going to put them up for auction. The thing about buying a rental car is that what you're not going to find is a lot of variation in terms of color or trim level. Right. They tend to be lower trim levels and right. kind of austere colors, a lot of silver, a lot of white. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and you might find a lot of like interior scuffs or the body's just a little nicked and dinged up. So that's a little disappointing. But, but I have personally purchased two cars from um, Enterprise. Okay. They actually have a dealer lot in the area. Uh, and, and to the extent uh, that I didn't purchase, I went with people who bought them. Sure. I should have clarified that. And they had great luck with them. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. That's really good to know. Because I've, I've liked my last couple cars that I rented. And they, you know, you always see the signs like, check out our, you know, auto purchasing inventory and things like that. And I've, I've, I've wondered. Yeah. Rental covers, companies like to do it because then they don't put it up for auction and they don't have to pay an auction fee for it. Good point. Good point. Let's uh, let's take a quick break here. We're hanging out with Tom Appel, Car Guy Tom on Twitter, and uh, we, we just tweet. We, he tweeted, and I retweeted him that he's on the show. Uh, you can call us at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight if you have any questions or comments. And you can also, yeah, like I said, you can text us. The text screen's very quiet today. Uh, but uh, if you have any questions or you have any thoughts on the auto industry, give us a call, and we'll talk about some of the big stories yeah. of twenty twenty three in the auto industry. More. A moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM, Minneapolis, St. Paul. 
You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are in studio with Car Guy Tom. Follow him on Twitter, Car Guy Tom. Tom Appel joins us from Consumer Car Guide. From Consumer Guide. Uh-huh. He covers cars. Uh, we were talking about the used car inventory. And, I, you know, I've, I've bought several used cars in my life. And I basically, I feel like I have used car amnesia because <laughs> it's so stressful, right? All the different elements of it, whether it's a, you know, a, a, you know, person to person exchange, right? You buy it off the, from the neighbor or you know, Craigslist or whatever, uh, and you have to go through the paperwork of that. I bought one from, a, from my car guy and had to do the transfer title. You pay all the taxes. So to that, uh, a listener asks, why do we, why do we pay sales tax on used cars at a dealership? The original owner already paid that tax. Yeah, good question, and I get it. <laughs> Funny thing about that is is the the value of your vehicle that you trade in is subtracted from the vehicle you buy. So you're not paying; you're only paying tax on the difference. Okay. So that's some from that's one. some comfort, and that actually changed a few years ago, and it made people very mad. It made dealers very mad. So that law is back. At some point, they were limiting the amount that you could take off of your taxes <sighs> or reduce the taxes by. It was very complicated. It all is. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, like anything else, like I said, I mean the stack of papers that you sign at a dealership to buy a used car and to buy any car—it's just so crazy. <laughs> it, it, it is a ridiculous amount of, of paperwork, and if you ask about what each one is, you'll be there forever. Oh my God! The good news—it's generally safe. Yes, <laughs> I've never had news. a problem. I've bought—I've bought two new, one used. I mean, as far as like at a dealership in my life, I've had two. It's not bad. And then I've bought. One, two. I, I got someone gave me a car when I was in high school. I don't know. Uh, my parents must have taken care of the transfer of title and things like that. If if someone gives you a car for free, how does that work? Oh, uh, pretty easily. Yeah, then. yeah. And there's no tax. You still have to license it and pay a ridiculous right. county tax, which I think is a fixed rate. I don't based know how that works the, anymore. Based on what the value of the car should be, maybe. It it used to be on the cylinder count, which was a really obscure way to do it. Oh, but, my God. Yeah, I don't know if it's based on value anymore. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't bought a used car in a little bit. It was uh, That was my 76 Toyota Corolla oh. that I bought in 80. That I didn't buy. They gave it to me in 86, so it was a 10-year-old. But at that point, it's so funny how when I think about how, really, at that point, how dilapidated. That's the best way to explain that car <laughs> after 10 years. And I've had cars that have lasted more than 10 years. My mom had a Honda Accord that was went to almost... Gosh, almost twenty some years, uh, and was was still. In, I mean, you know, had to have a lot of work here and there, but was in decent shape. In those days, though, Japanese cars still rusted. Oh, that's a lot. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> David, I mean, like, I mean, they didn't uh, know from road salt. Yeah. So, what was yeah. the what was the uh, the commercial Victory Auto Records? They offered me forty bucks. I ended up donating it to not. Yeah, 40 bucks they offered me for my Toyota Corolla. That's like the same two bills you see being passed along yeah, in the commercial. Exactly. In the legendary commercial. It, it, they were, it was a legit advertising, Here for sure. Go. Buy yourself something nice. <laughs> exactly. We have uh, Dave in Hoffman Estates has a question for you, Tom. Hey, Dave, you're on with Tom Pell. What's on your mind? Hey, hey, Patty. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom, I remember during the COVID, we had the, the stock, but we didn't have the chips. We call that. Yeah, that was the problem. Yes, yeah. Yeah, there were uh, crazy times. And that, yeah. Hey, and do they still have this problem? Recall, oh, talking about the used cars. Remember when uh, they had problem like uh, getting them from the south after some of them were had been in the flood zones and stuff, and people used to have to take a look under their carpeting or something if they seen sand and stuff like that. That that was a sign that it had been in one of those lots that hadn't got flooded. 
Yeah, there was a really big flood, and I can't remember when it was, but it was out towards Iowa along the Mississippi. And, and uh, there were an awful lot of flood cars that ended up on the regular market, and people got smarter since then. And Carfax, for example, is really good at spotting those cars. So it's much, much harder to end up with a flood car. But after a flood, it's not. It's worth just checking it out. There are little things that you can do yourself. Make sure you demand to see the Carfax. Make sure you know where the car was from. And there are little tricks you can do, too, that you can find lists of them online. But like feel under the dashboard for, for dust or dirt, because if the water got that high, it would leave sediment. So okay. it's just stuff you can check right. for. Right. Yeah, and then like I say, under the mats or something, under the carpeting, that's what they said you'd see sand and stuff like that, too. Oh, sure, sediment. Yeah, yeah and rust in weird places yeah. under the hood or in the trunk. Yeah, yeah. So there's just a couple of things I was thinking about, you know, just to yeah. share with you. Excellent. And I, I know you knew about that. So, hey, hey, let's have a happy new year, guys. Thanks. Happy new year, my friend. Take care. All right. Uh, I, ha- I was just thinking about how I had a, um, we used to have a parking spaces under our apartments in Champaign-Urbana and there was water like up, just up to the tires and it, it caught, it, it was, it was rough. <laughs> it was not a fun experience at no. all. No. And you don't want water that high for very long. No. On, on front row drive cars, there's the CV joints, you'll get water inside those rubber boots. If you've ever seen those, that's bad. Yeah. That's real bad. Well, I always get nervous when folks drive through an underpass when either the cars in front of them are clearly in tremendously deep water or you're not sure, right? It, we're all taking chances when it's a heavy rain. Yeah, don't do that. You just <laughs> No. Uh, if water gets up under the hood and certain things get submerged, uh, you're you have so yeah, much money. These are not aquatic friendly no. cars. They they definitely are not. So you you mentioned earlier that uh folks have been talking about the biggest stories of 2023 in the auto industry. We talked about UAW strike. What are some of the other things that are top of mind as far? I mean like just recently, well, let me ask you first and then I'll tell you what what comes to mind yeah. for me. What's, uh, what's on your mind with the oh, oh, car stories for 2023? The, the big one for me is the insane confusion, misinformation drive about demand for electric cars now. Okay. And if you, I think if you ask the average person, they've gotten the impression that no one wants electric cars and that demand for them is dead. Okay. And there's an awful lot of right-wing media driving that point home. And that's not the case at all. Now, there is reduced growth in EV sales, and demand has softened. We're not demand has softened, demand growth has softened. And that's sort of a problem. And it's all compounded by the insane weirdness of Tesla. And and That was a story on my mind. Go ahead. Yeah, Tesla has decided uh, that it's not going to give up market share. So it's trading profit for, for market share and has lowered its prices last year 25%. So Teslas are much more affordable now, and they're hanging on to their market share, sort of. They're still at about 50% market share, but they're down from 70 just a couple of years ago. And that's because there's so much new competition yeah. out there. A lot of good cars out there to look at. But that has ruined everything for the competition because they're forced to sell at a much lower margin. Oh, and boy. margins on electric vehicles are slipping. And, and everyone looks kind of dumb for having rushed into this EV thing. And it, no one knew that this could happen. So it's a really weird environment right now. Interesting. And didn't they just have a, a thing where like their software had to be updated on all cars, on all Teslas? A huge number of cars. I think it was two or two and a half million units. And the problem was, and they totally deserve to get in trouble for this, and they didn't get in very much trouble for it. But their full self-driving system or their autopilot system, both yes. of which are terribly misnamed, um, that what was determined by a court, by a judge, was that it's too easy to defeat those systems and just sit in your car and not pay attention while you're driving. And there should be more systems in place to prevent you from doing that. And, and so they were able to fix this with a software update. 
So what sounds like an unbelievably expensive recall is going to be handled over the air. Oh, God. So almost no cost to them, but some software and some, you know, some, some, you know, IP time. Uh, and then they're not going to pay a lot for this. Now, it's a victory on both sides. They didn't have to pay a lot. They don't look like they really lost. But on the other hand, there is some obvious attention being called to the fact that these cars are too easy to abuse. You can abuse their self-driving systems. So by that you mean, so you're not, it's self-driving, but you're supposed to pay attention. But people want the self-driving so they don't have to pay attention. Right. So so if you bought a Cadillac with Super Cruise, Mm -hmm. which is their self-driving system, you get on, it only works on highways and these are pre-mapped highways and you set it and then you still have to pay attention. You can let go of the steering wheel. And you can, and you can, but you have to keep your eyes so on the road. Chill back a little bit. Yeah. You still should have your feet close, I would imagine, to the gas and brake. Yeah, you want to be ready to take <laughs> over. Usually you get a lot of notice, okay. like 10, 20 seconds notice. So it's not like you have to be bolt up ready. But the thing about that system, too, um, is, is, is that there is something that monitors where your head is and where your eyes are. It's a, it's a detector right on the top of the steering column. Okay. Tesla should have that, but for whatever reason, it's either not working or they're not using it. And people aren't being called on. People famously sleep while their car is driving. Oh my god! Their Tesla is driving down the highway, and have, that's that's bad. Have you ever like Have you ever not intentionally fallen asleep? But have you ever dozed off driving? Uh, I don't want to talk about it too much, but yes. Yeah. This, this was the eighties. Me too. Time. <laughs> Me too. I was uh, I was coming home from I was a lifeguard at North Avenue, and I was uh, I was seventeen. And I was on the Kennedy right where right after the split with the Edens, uh-huh. so it curves. And I dozed off because I used to work late night shifts, and uh, I dozed off. And I hit, there's a like I right before I hit that wall on the underpass uh, as you continue on with the Kennedy. Yeah, that was that was. Uh, I mean, and I've gotten tired. I've, I've felt my head bob. Here's the thing about driving: it makes me very tired. It, <laughs> it just it's does. easy to sleep in a car. It, it's. It, I, it's one of the, I, I actually can't drive during the day as much. I mean, I can, but I maybe have two hours in bright sunlight. I need it to be either overcast or nighttime driving for whatever reason. That's my jam. I, I, it's easier for me, although that night, clearly not at seventeen. But, <laughs> but at any rate, I mean, it, and but but that was my that was my that would have been my ninety two Volkswagen the GTI. Uh, but now you have cars that let you know that you're not paying attention a little bit too. You have like this beeping. You're you know you're going off. You're not staying in a straight line. But I think people imagine that autopilot is autopilot that they don't have to like they're in. Um, oh my God, what was that movie? There was a movie. It, this is how long ago it was. Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock and Wesley Snipes. Oh, do you remember what I'm talking about? Like I know the movie. Right? I can't think. But of it had movie. like a robotic taxi driver. Like it was, or you get in a car and just. But they were. All, I think they were also on tracks. Right. I mean, that would be one thing. But, you know, autopilot, we think about airplanes, but there's very little else up there. Here, there's pedestrians, there's curbs, there's other people, there's all kinds of things. You can't, we're never going to truly have autopilot, are we? Well, that's actually one of the stories of this year. Cruise, Cruise Automation, division of General Motors, Uh is building self-driving ride-hailing services. Oh, God. And they got into trouble in San Francisco because of a couple of very high-profile accidents. And actually, their success ratio, their success rate is actually very high. But these accidents were tragic and ugly and very well publicized. And they're not allowed right now in San Francisco. And I think it California, the whole state, to be running driverless uh, ride-hailing cabs yeah. right now. They are in other states. They're going to back away from this and get back into it. But these 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 test runs of this service have been famously 
uh, covered. And, and whenever they have an accident, you hear yeah. about it. Well, I mean, because it's one thing, it's like anything else, right? You could have a thousand great runs, test runs or whatever. You only need one dog to get killed, one passenger to burn it. I mean, like, yeah. that's all you need for it to go, yeah, but maybe not. Yeah, and one of the interesting things that's happening here, too, is, is that we're at a weird pioneering stage, and there is no federal money being thrown at this. So there's no infrastructure to work with these cars. These cars exactly. have to do all this work themselves. So all the... De- you know, all the radar, all the sonar, all the LIDAR, all that has to be built into the vehicle, and it's operating in isolation. If, if the other cars were pinging and alerting them, that would be great. If the, if the infrastructure, if the sides of the road gave off signals, if the lights gave off signals, oh, all of that would be great, but none of that is happening. <laughs> yeah, because then essentially we all have to be walking around with a tag on us so that cars can read the... <laughs> I mean, that's what's next, which then we all have basically we are injecting a little chip, right? No, so I, the cars avoid hitting us? Is that what we're going to No, no, no. Jay, jaywalkers <laughs> just deserve to die, I guess. But, <laughs> wow. but the, infrastructure, the infrastructure should, we should know when you get to a crosswalk, for example. Okay. Yeah. Fair, fair. Okay. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> all of a sudden, we're all getting microchipped so that cars don't hit us. And I, you know what? I would do that just in general right now. Please don't. Don't hit me when I cross the street. 773-763-9278. That's the number to call and join our conversation. I see that we have another text on the screen, so we'll get that when we come back. We're in studio with Tom Appel. He's our car guy, car guy Tom on Twitter. And sign up for his newsletter. How do they sign up for that? Oh, uh, just send me me a note at, um, what is it? I watch you right up to it. What's well, your email? Well, Tell me car stuff at consumerguide.com. Car stuff at consumerguide.com. Yeah. More after this on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal, KTNF, Minneapolis, St. Paul. I talked too fast right up until the last minute, and Tom was like, what, wait, what? More in a moment. Hi, folks. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are in studio with our car guy, Tom Appel. We have a couple car guys, of course. We have Warren Price will be here uh, on Friday. What a weird, by the way, what a weird weather season we're having for the holidays. It's just, this is surreal. It's in the 40s and 50s. It was It was misty. Yeah. Christmas Day was misty. It was bizarre. And uh, so we'll talk to Warren on Friday about how different it's been as far. I mean, there aren't people sliding on the ice. Uh, Which is good. We're avoiding a lot of that. Uh, I was somewhere when I brought up the uh, closure of Lakeshore Drive and that that you and I both know somebody who did not listen to Tom Skilling (laughs) when he said to avoid Lakeshore Drive during that snowstorm. And uh, our good friend Roger Badish was uh, trapped in his car. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
he's got a he's got a whole book. Well, I should remember he, the cover of the book actually is of him in his car. Someone taking a picture because they they were oh, doing yeah. remember they were doing wellness checks with folks who were trapped in their cars. They were, I do remember this. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let me pull up the title because Roger was oh, the I, unplanned I, life. The unplanned life. Thank yeah. you very much for that. Roger Badish's the unplanned life and uh, so many great stories about his career as a teacher, as a broadcaster. He worked for City Hall under Jane Byrne. Yeah, I've, I've I have not gotten to it yeah, yet. It's uh, it, he's it, it's just so many great stories. That was one of the nice things uh, about doing overnight radio was you can kind of like lean back and and just sort of tell all these you know great uh, stories about our, our backgrounds and always heard from Tom. However, uh, I, I mean from Roger, I never wanted to uh, put people to sleep in the middle of the night because we had a lot of truck drivers that listened to our show. Uh, we had a lot of folks who were we we reached uh, all the way down to Florida. We had someone that called from Cape Canaveral uh, who drove security down at Cape Canaveral all the way up to uh, Chisholm, Minnesota. We actually reached into Canada, but one night we were talking about Field of Dreams, and a <laughs> resident of Chisholm, Minnesota called us because we were talking about Field of Dreams, and she knew uh, Doc from uh, the, you know, Burt Lancaster's character from Field of Dreams. He's a real person oh. who had been a former baseball player and became a doctor in uh, Chisholm, Minnesota. Cool. So in the middle of the night, we'd have these great stories. Uh, I, you know, I, I, my goal was to not lull people to sleep. We got a lot of complaints that there was too much laughter and we were having too much fun in the middle of the night. Wait, wait, you were too loud? Yeah, we were for people who wanted to go to sleep. They're like, I'm trying to fall asleep, and you know, I guess my predecessors um, just gave more sleepy time stuff. Uh, Milt Rosenberg uh, apparently was more their speed. Doctor, uh, Doctor Rosenberg, Doctor Milt Rosenberg. But speaking of falling asleep, uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, uh, hold on a second. They said, uh, way easier to fall asleep in a 78 Chrysler Cordova, the Corinthian leather. Was it Corinthian leather? That was a big selling point for <laughs> that the- was The Corinthian leather thing goes back to the original commercials for that car. That car debuted in 75 during the, during the heart of what they called the malaise era, when cars were just slow and, yeah. and we all had to use regular gas and, or, or unleaded gas and everything in the car world was just awful. So cars just got bigger and more luxurious. That's the only thing you could sell. And Ricardo Montalban famously did the commercials oh my God. for the Cordoba. And one of the things he said was Corinthian leather. And he said it's so great. Corinthian and it just became this thing. And, and the Cordoba is like sort of famous as this kitschy thing in the car world. But yeah, they were famously soft rising, riding, just big coupes. Well, because the listener also points out how the it was because it's a big bench seat then too, front and back. You didn't have bucket seats. It was like a split bench, so it was a oh, bench, really? but you could slide like your part. There was nothing like a bucket. You could get three people across it easy. Okay, yeah, and the, and but it was like a lot of those cars in the seventies were like just had basically moving yeah. couches. Yeah, they, they looked <laughs> right? like couches. Yeah, oh, cool. they looked like living room furniture. Corinthian leather, Ricardo. Hold on a second. I almost I almost need to uh, I need to hear the multiple. It'll come up, Ricardo, right? For the audio? Yeah. I'm just, oh, here we go. I think I can play this. Hold on. I think I can, let me see if I can Rich push all the red buttons. Hold on a second. Who's Jim Royer? Oh, Tim Hildebrand. Oh, I've seen this commercial. It's very weird. You need your headphones for this. Oh, yeah. Here it is. There's. In the Chrysler tradition of luxury. Yes, even rich Corinthian. <laughs> that was fast. Come on, how fast was that? That, that, really, that was great. That's a pretty car. I, I'm coming to love it. You're coming to love it? Yeah. Well, but it's also a big, it's a big sedan with only two doors, a two-door sedan. 
People used to buy coupes. Oh, my God. The Chevy Monte Carlo, if you remember that car, in like 74 or 75, they sold 400,000 of them. It was just considered a family car, even though it had two doors. And we would never settle for that level of inconvenience now. No. And, and you know, I have a really good friend of mine, Vince Maranta, who's a, a popular comedian here in Chicago. Uh, when we were younger, he, his son was maybe seven or eight years old, and he was looking for a new car. And he got, I want to say it was a Bronco, because Broncos were also, they sold them in two doors mm-hmm. as a big SUV. And the reason he did that was because he didn't want anyone to, like if he was parked somewhere and wasn't like maybe filling up his gas, he didn't want someone to be able to jump in the back seat and take his son. And that freaked the hell out of me. And sorry, everybody. Now I just put that out there. Wow. I know. I was just like, that's intense. I'll never forget that conversation. I was like, so that was his reasoning for wanting a two-door uh, big SUV. So true story, and I'm not going to name any names here, but I had a roommate in college one year who had a Bronco. Uh-huh. We left a bar at school and decided that us and about eight women, all lovely young ladies who had been at the bar, were going to go to the to Iowa and watch the sunrise from the other side of the Mississippi and eat, and eat uh, egg McMuffins. So <laughs> a Bronco will not keep you out of trouble. <laughs> That's my whole story. Wow, I'm sorry. I love the idea. So, does it? How does it look from the other side of the Mississippi? I don't know. We just had to get there in a fairly short amount of time. Where were you driving from? Oh, that gives away a lot. DeKalb. DeKalb. That's a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. It was ambitious. I don't think we made it by sunrise, but we did get egg McMuffins. Now I kind of need to see what the sunrise looks like on the other side of the Mississippi. (laughs) Because I mean, I I could, I understand that oddly enough. But did you have like a location in mind? No, no, no. There was no planning here at all. Just the other side of the river. Yeah, and a really expensive tank of gas because big Bronco. Yeah. So what do you got coming up? You have uh, your podcast also av- uh, available now every week. Yeah. I, um, Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solutions. This is a smart guy who does industry analysis for the industry. Uh, joins us this week. It's the podcast up right now to talk about the biggest stories of the year. Excellent. So, yeah, it's kind of a wrap up of the conversation we had. And the name of the podcast? Uh, it's the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. It's available everywhere. If you listen to it on Apple, do me a favor and leave us a review. Yes, leave a review and Please. let them know how much you love the work that they do. Uh, Tom, it's wonderful to see you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you. And happy new year. We will see you again next month. Looking forward to it. And uh, thank you so much, Andy. Uh, it was a wonderful evening. And uh, thank you to our friend Becky O'Connor from Banging Gavel for bringing in some wonderful treats. I made it through the show. I got to go to the airport. I'm picking up a friend. I'm picking up Maggie O'Keefe and her husband. They went for their honeymoon during the uh, the break, so that's where I'm headed right now. I gotta run. Bye, everybody. Good night.